Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk over everything racing. Uh, before we do that, let me introduce you to the panel tonight. I have with me uh, my NASCAR correspondent, Seth Eggert, uh, my former long guy, Richard Uden. Uh, and I got a couple of IndyCar gurus here in the form of Joey Barnes and Christopher DeHarty, who we haven't spoken with in a while. So, uh, Chris, welcome back to the show. Uh, rest of you guys, how are we doing tonight? Doing good. We've got no race to talk about, okay? So we can just have a kind of a free-for-all talk about a variety of different topics. I'll tell you, one topic I don't want to talk about is this whole notion of the guaranteed spots uh, for full-time starters uh, at the Indy 500. Uh, literally, I am exhausted with this topic. Uh, you know, I I came out uh, publicly in saying, you know, not that I support it or, it's, you know, it's, I don't like it, but I'm kind of open to uh, why these guys think they want to do it. And I got I got roasted on social media. Uh, you know, there's if I, if I see hashtag fastest 33 again, I'm going to throw up, so we're not going to talk about that. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Formula One circus being in Baku this weekend. So, uh, Richard, coming off a pretty lackluster China race, uh, Baku tends to um, produce a pretty good show, huh? Well, it was the thousandth race, though. Don't forget that. You yeah, mean you've already forgotten? Oh, okay. It was um, thousandth, thousandth win for Lewis Hamilton, what? Something like that, yeah. No, like, um, yeah, yeah it, Baku's a sort of um, it's been a bit of an anomaly, really, in the in the last twenty years of uh, I guess what you call the Tilka tracks designed by FIA's de facto uh, circuit designer now Herman Tilka. Most of them have been pretty pretty dire, in all fairness. Um, Baku's a, a sort of diamond in the rough, there, isn't it? It's it's a great circuit in many ways. It's got the the some of the twistiest, tightest sections um you know the formula one cars will go around in the old uh, old castle area there and then it's got the longest stretch of full throttle racing on a street course in in the formula one calendar so it's got a little bit of everything how do you how do you set the cars up for that race is, is quite an interesting concept i think the first year the teams went there they went a little bit conservative because they were worried about the um 
Um, you know, that, that section around the castle. So they probably went with a slightly higher, higher downforce, higher grip uh, setup on the cars and probably sacrificed a little bit of high end uh, and top speed configuration. But whereas last year they, they sort of went the opposite way. They um, certainly went for the higher spec, um, high, high, higher speed setup, should we say. So they sacrificed that downforce and that control. And, you know, you saw the guys sliding around and banging into each other on some of those tighter corners. So I think hopefully the teams will carry on in that direction um, and, and we'll get some good racing there again. It's a, certainly from a skill level, it's, it's, it's high on the list of uh, where the drivers are on edge for, for, for long periods of time. Yeah, certainly. Now, we've, the Ferraris have been quick week in and week out, no doubt. They haven't, you know, made it to the finish line or for whatever reason they've you know, had their share of problems. But uh, do you feel like maybe the the Baku circuit being kind of a lower speed, uh, you know, twist your kind of thing that actually, you know, make Ferrari's problems even worse? Because I, I look at this layout and I'm thinking that's a good Red Bull track, you know, um, or even well, every track's a good Mercedes track. So uh, how do you think the Ferraris will fare out there, Joey? I mean, considering that usually you're looking at low downforce, high top end, I, I think they're going to be decent. But based on what we have saw at China, I got to think that, especially when you consider that you're dealing with a lower grip level on the track surface, I think you're probably looking at Mercedes again. I mean, honestly, I know it's not what anybody wants to hear, but I just, <laughs> I mean, low grip, high speed, that's going to be their specialty. Um, I actually personally, I mean, not to throw my pick in way ahead of time, but I actually think Botas is probably the guy to beat because any time there you, seems whoa, to be... Oh, you've, you've gone in there straight away, got your pick in. I, you know, I do you know, Screw I can, everybody but, else. But, you know. <laughs> I, I, but when you look at when you look at what he does on, yep. on just natural street uh, circuits, which essentially is what Baku is, he's just got a good knack for that. I mean, I look at Russia, I look at, at Australia... And so mm-hmm. I, I think that translates. And don't forget, he was the guy leading last year. Oh, he should have won last year. Yeah, he should have won the race. Out. So um, I think the bigger kicker is what's going to happen in the midfield. You know, does Renault finally get a little bit of their reliability issues squared away? Can they find some pace and extract some pace uh, with the Ferrari performance? Do we see something with Alfa Romeo getting a little further up the grid? Kimi's the only one that seems to score points for that team. And there's a big gap of all the teams in the grid. The gap between Kimi Raikkonen and Ant- uh, Antonio Giovinazzi is by far and away the biggest on the grid. When he's finishing ninth, Giovinazzi's finishing 19th. And yeah. I think that, uh, you know, so that's critical. Uh, you know, we had the bye week, maybe some sim work. Maybe Giovinazzi can, can get his head in the game a little bit more. But, you know, William, not Williams, but Force India, excuse me. Racing what's, point. There you go. Right. Changed their damn name three times know, in the last... It sounds like it sounds like a, 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 a some townhomes. Where do you live? Oh, I live in Racing Point. I mean, you know, it sounds but... like one of those like really bad names you used to get on the computer games in the nineties when they didn't have the license for the real team name. <laughs> right there, you but, go. There you go. But I think the uh, the thing that I'm intrigued by is you know they've always been a team with Sergio Perez that has come to Baku and they've always been somebody that fights in contention for a podium spot historically speaking. Where are they pace-wise? Because yeah. currently, I feel like as the year goes on, 
I, mostly because I don't believe in their driver lineup. Personally, I don't think the feedback's going to be there for the long-term gain to continue to produce at the same levels at the other, at the other mid-card teams. Um, so this, this is their chance early in the season to really uh, knock something out of the park and, and do something positive because they've shown as far as straight line speed historically, they can be better than Red Bull in that regard. But um, you know, I, I, I think the thing you'd, you'd find with Racing Point there is you, you've got to remember obviously what went on at the team in the middle of last year when they weren't through all that financial trouble until uh, Lawrence Stroll bought the team out there for his son. Um you know, and it didn't really affect them at the time. They didn't really lose momentum. But I think, you know, that period where they, they took the hit in the sort of June, July, August time is critical for the development of a new car. Yep. You know, you, you're you're following years car. Those sort of midsummer months are when your foundation's being laid for your, you know, the next car. And if those, if they were suffering from financial and budgetary constraints at that point in time, then that's a big up to you know big tasks to, to catch back up and, and and get to where they need to be so i'm not massively surprised that they maybe struggled to think a little bit i mean perez has been saying these great things about lance stroll what great feedback he's giving for a young driver and i mean it's just singing to the team's hymn sheet that one unfortunately i think um you know he knows which way his bread's buttered that guy doesn't he he knows how to play the game I, so I think you, um, you don't have to <laughs> Look any further than Williams to see how they went from a Masabotas lineup to what they what yeah. they encountered when they had the Lance Stroll feedback, and they yeah. right now there's a huge gap between them and the next closest team. I mean, they could get beat and, bad this weekend. Yeah, and simple. there's a and there's a huge gap between the two Williams cars. Yeah. You know, I, I think they just don't have enough. Uh, funding to, to put anything uh, else on Robert's car. You know, they, they're putting uh, every, anything new goes on George Russell's car. And, and you know, uh, Robert came out in the press the other day. He says, no, he just cannot match his teammates' pace. And it has nothing to do with driver, everything to do with the equipment he's being given. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're this literally is, going This is the same guy they, they told him, hey, you know, don't, don't get up on the curbs and qualifying sacrifice your, your lap because we have no spare parts for your car. Yeah. But that's just this day and age of Formula One. That's sad. But yeah. there are <laughs> there there are talks that some Russian billionaire, gangster mobster businessman is looking to buy Williams. What yeah. what what do we know about that, Richard? Frank will never sell. Bottom no. line, the Williams mm-hmm. that, that as long as Frank's got a you know breath in his body and Claire's involved in that team, it'll never be sold. Back in the mid two thousands, when BMW bought Sauber, BMW wanted to buy Williams. You know, they, they were the better team. They had the better infrastructure. They had the better setup. All day long, you know, BMW put a package together to buy Williams. Frank wouldn't sell. No, for no, no money, he would sell that team. He's not adverse to investors and people coming on board and helping the team, but that team is not being sold under any stretch of the imagination. Okay. And I think, all right. I, you know, right. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who comes up. I mean, you saw with Stroll, and you saw there was um, talk of Jordan King before he came over to IndyCar. You know, of him going there with the, the, you know, there's a lot of money in his family from the uh, big grocery chain in the UK uh, of coming in to buy out the team. Nope, never going to happen. Um, I think things are improving at Williams. If you look at their performances. Especially in, in China, it wasn't great, and they were still obviously slowest. But they're starting to piece things together a little bit. Whether that's they're starting to learn 
how to make a bad car not quite so bad or whether they are starting to put improvements on the car in terms of parts and setup, I, I'm not sure. But uh, it'll be a slow process for them, undoubtedly. But, you know, they, they really do have to look at this long term. And obviously the financial state has got to be solid long term. You know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a one or two year plan now. It's a five to ten year plan. And you, you get the feeling that some teams, and probably Williams are one of them, that are holding on, clinging on for dear life for 2021 when the new regulations and financial cap are supposedly coming into play. There is no doubt in my mind that Williams have the technical people that are capable of delivering a very, very good car. It's just lack of resources which are doing that for them. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of put my two cents on this, I I think that a couple of things we've seen before in the past. I mean, I think about the last big rule change we had. I mean, Mercedes was a good team back in the day, but they weren't great. Like when they had Schumacher and Rosberg, they could fight for the occasional podium and things like that, but they weren't. Oh, Rosberg anything. won China, and will, Sch- yeah. Schumacher was on pole at Monaco before his penalty. So, I mean, there was pace there. There was but, pace, yeah, but, but there was such a significant gap, and Red Bull had everybody just – taken to the to the woodshed on that one but you look at the overhaul of the changes that that went on with f1 and look at how they came out of the gate there is nothing to say that haas racing point um I, i'm gonna laugh at that one but you know ferrari uh teams like that williams in this case if you can set things up for that rule change uh for for 2021 you could be that team that everybody's like oh my goodness you know and blows everybody's doors off where did this come from and it's because you put all those resources and things like that towards 2021 like what richard's talking about i i think ultimately this comes down to the fact like the performance has improved they are still uh there is quite uh, still quite a bit of a gap but i think ultimately it's they finally have a vision on the technical side that's the same vision and i think that's the biggest hindrance that they were dealing with for a long time Nothing against Patty Lowe, because I think Patty Lowe is pretty solid. Uh, but when you see what he had at Mercedes, it was virtually yeah. a, a limitless budget. And you're going to come over to Williams, which literally is probably the lowest budget team that you could go to at that point in time. You were really restricting yourself on what you could do with the creativity and the imagination from a technical standpoint. I, th- so, I, think, the, uh, I, I think the problem there from, you know... Reading between the lines of what I, of what people have said that I know that are, are still within the organisation, you know, Paddy wanted to come in and make too big a change. Yeah. He he maybe had the concept that he could come in and had a blank slate and could do you know everything he wanted to do. Whereas in reality, that's not going to happen with the teams like Williams. And I'll I'll, I'll tell you this: when I I'd been working for the team about two months, and we had a big engineering meeting. And the technical director at the time had just started, and he he said stood up in front of all the engineers, three four hundred of us, I guess, oh, probably about two three hundred of us, and said, right, I've got a list of fifty questions that I've compiled over the last two months or whatever. I need you to answer all of them. Um, why do we do this? And somebody put their hand up and said, ask us how all, how was all, how we've always done it. Okay, why do we do this? Because how we've always done it. And after about four or five questions where the answer was, this is how we've always done it, he turned around and said, right, next person that puts hands up and says, this is how I've always done it, is fired. (laughs) 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey guys, gut check. If your six-pack abs are covered with flab, it's time to cut the fat. Lose weight the easy way with Nutrisystem for Men. Now delivering hearty inspirations meals that fill you up without letting you down. We're talking bigger lunches and bigger dinners packed with protein to control hunger for up to five hours. From savory bourbon chicken to mouth-watering meatloaf, they're exactly what a man's body needs to power through the day. You get breakfasts, lunches, dinners, and snacks all fully prepared, totally delicious and delivered free to your door. No salads, no juices, just real food for serious appetites. Order today and get all new fuel shakes for men. They're made with the key ingredient Velocitol that doubles the power of protein to help you maintain muscle mass while losing weight and feeling satisfied. Don't wait any longer. Order now for a simple way to lose weight, build strength, boost energy, and burn fat. Go to Nutrisystem.com protein to lock in your special deal. Offer restrictions apply. See website for details. And nobody answered a single question for the rest of the meeting. That's one of the problems I have there. And in all fairness, that was, you know, that's a similar concept to what my personal opinions have been going on at RCR as well. You know, when I was there on the NASCAR side, again, you know, a lot of success in the 80s and 90s. And the concepts were, oh, this is how we've always done it. You know, sometimes you need to move on. And I think Paddy came in and tried to make too many changes. And it just he was hindered from them because it upset the, you know, the big players and the senior management within the organization. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I know we kind of got sidetracked on the Williams thing, but I mean, we were just kind of going in depth on, on our views and and what we know as far as what we see with the Williams thing and Richard's case, what he hears Um, to kind of throw it back on Baku, because I know we got sidetracked there. I mean, Baku is, to to give people a little bit of hope, it will not be China. I, no. Everything with Baku, to put simply, every year there seems to be chaos. There's some drama. There's some action. There's there's some sort of enticing moment that that impacts top drivers. We've seen a Vettel, uh, Hamilton on track kind of altercation. You know, we've seen the teammates last year with with Verstappen and, and Ricardo at Red Bull. It, there's always some sort of unique turn before we get towards uh, obviously Spain and, and Monaco and things like that. And this is the point of, that it always seems to happen. So Baku is, is usually, I mean, honestly, every race that I can remember at Baku, there hadn't been a boring one. Uh, it's always had some sort of, of drama filled enticement, but um, so yeah, this weekend looks, looks to promise to be a good one. Um, Richard, I was going to ask you, have you had a chance to look at, because I know at Formula One released today, the layout uh, of yes. Vietnam GP, and oh boy. I came away very unimpressed. Yeah. Um, it's It feels like so there's you, a ton you, of... You basically, yeah. you've got long straight, um, that is the first two turns at China, long straight, that never-ending turn at... Um, Russia or no South Korea remember the old South Korea track there's that yep. never ending right hand turn mm-hmm. long straight hairpin long straight S is at Suzuka and that's it 
Yeah, it's almost I... like one of these circuits where you know you, every you know when you're a kid you always draw these circuits have the best corners from every track and you you try and piece them all together and make them make them work and that's exactly what this vietnam track looks like it looks terrible i mean well, it, 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 it is a good. street course yeah it could be good i mean that, that's not you know let's not knock it until we see it there's some you know nice long straights there with you know slow corner exit which is what you want for overtaking if you have a the problem with a lot of these tracks is they have long straights which are great with a you know, a, a long braking zone, which is, again, what you need for overtaking. But you have a fast en- entry to that long straight. So you need the downforce to be fast on a, you know, coming out of a corner. And typically the car in front has got clean air, so they have far better aerodynamic grip. The car behind is in the wake of the, the lead car, so they don't get the grip, so they can't follow as closely. So then they've got, you know, a longer distance to catch up. If you've got a nice slow corner coming onto a long straight, then the chances of the rear car being able to follow the lead car a lot closer are far exceeded. So, um, you know, it could work. It could work. Um, you know, Tilke has been very hit and miss with his tracks. I, you know, some of them I think have been good. Unfortunately, I think most of the good ones, maybe apart from Coda, are no longer on the calendar. I thought Turkey was pretty good. Malaysia was pretty good. Uh, and we've dumped those. Um, you know, Singapore's okay. Abu Dhabi's a travesty. Uh, you know, this really you know, Sochi's okay. Um, you know, this Baku's pretty good, but it's you know, hit and miss. So we'll see what comes up with this one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so no, are we are we 100% guaranteed that this race will come into fruition? Uh, what could, possibly, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, no, I know they've got it. What could possibly go wrong? Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I can think of about five announced races that that's. I mean, that's, uh, that, that didn't happen. So I just, I, I just don't know what the, what the, what the feel is around the Formula One pad. Is everybody like I think it pretty will, optimistic yeah, I think that this is a go? Okay, all right. I, yeah, I just, I mean, I'm just wondering. Ever since we lost Malaysia, it's important that we were able to retap that market, uh, right? Uh, from a Formula One side. So to, to have Vietnam is big. Uh, here's the thing: like, I'm not in love with the track. Like, I think that you're on the throttle way too much, and I, I really feel like there's only two passing zones, and. The wild thing to me, and Felix Rosenquist actually tweeted this about about the release of the of the concept VR, whatever they did, the presentation. You heard tires squeal in the presentation, which was yeah. really weird and very odd. But the, there's curbs. You've got walls right there, like you would have in a typical street course. But even on the straightaways and leading into the corners, you've got curbing, which was very odd. I, I think it's very very odd. I mean, maybe that's because because if you touch the curb, there's there's another passing opportunity, I guess. I don't really know, but um, for my money, I, I wasn't impressed with the layout. I feel like there's only two passing zones, and it feels like a track that's going to play like Russia. And yeah, and, and that's my well, feeling. What's that? What's that? I mean, the, the, wait the, to see till we see the real thing. You know, you know mean, all that all that squealing on the um the the on the uh, the animation is because it was made by the same people that used to do the old speed racer cartoons. <laughs> so, I was now, Chris, looking at the, I, I want to bring, I want to bring watch, Chris sorry, in on the quickly, conversation. Watching that, uh, watching that video of the track, um, you know, those S's, which are basically the Suzuka S's, on a street circuit with a wall two feet from the edge of the track. <laughs> I was flinching watching a video. It, it, that's going to be pretty impressive to see those guys do that. I've, um, that's the best bit. I think that's going to be pretty. Uh, Pretty spectacular watching them do what 100, 110, 120 miles an hour, maybe even up to 150, 
around some of those corners. Um, yeah, that's going to uh, that's going to sort the men from the boys. Yeah, it's Absolutely, it's nice. Yeah. It's nice that there's not a lot of runoff. I I I, I hate tracks with runoff. Yeah. I understand the penalty for track it, but... limits for that week. Oh my goodness! Yeah. 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 All right, Christopher, you've been quiet over there. You still awake? Oh, okay. What? I'm kidding. Uh, I gotcha. So before we move on, yeah, I just wanted to see if you want to chime in on any of these topics about Baku or Williams or well, Ferrari, Red Bull, anything we've been talking about. And then, uh, and then uh, about, I will um, you to, if I may, I will give you the first pick. I'll give you the first pick at, other than the one that Joey already stole. Uh, we'll make our picks and we'll move on because I know Seth's got some good stuff he wants to talk about. Y'all bringing up the uh, rules changes and how teams can come up. I mean, let's not forget one of the biggest uh, surprises that anyone came up with uh, with the massive rules changes was Braun GP 2009 when they had all that mm. situation. Mm. Um, mm. Oh, come off it. Um, as for my pick, well, I can't pick Botas because Joey already picked him. So I'm going to pick uh, it is he, LeClaire, to win. Okay. All right. Now, Seth uh... – I'll let you have the next pick here for Baku. Uh, Vettel. Okay. All right. Now, uh, Joey. Joey, you're picking Botas, right? Yeah, okay. I mean, I already – I was kind of shocked you came back to me. Sorry. I just, I just want to confirm that because I was going to grab him if you changed your mind. So, But Richard? Uh, he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it, but he's going to have to do it. Verstappen. Oh, oh wow! Uh, really? I was gonna go that Charlie Day. So I'll here. take uh, Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I'll go Lewis Hamilton. So um, that being said, uh, Baku Grand Prix will be early in the morning uh, next mm, Sunday. Coming Sunday. So yeah, I don't know the exact time. Yeah, it's not 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 yeah, it's not uh, not Asia early, but uh, it's somewhere. Not quite as late as like a German, Germany or Great Britain. So, oh. all right. So, uh, what's happening in the world of NASCAR? We've got a new uh, a new package for Talladega. That new will not Talladega. be a restricted new for yeah. Talladega. Yes. Yeah. So let, let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit and what what might we expect because we know what we've come to expect at Talladega is everybody in a massive. Uh, a massive pack, three cars wide, sometimes four cars wide, you know, right off each other's bumper until 25 cars crash at once. And then a wild card winner you never heard of takes the race. So uh, what are we going to see this coming uh, this coming weekend at Talladega? Well, honestly, it's hard to say uh, because we haven't actually seen this package in the Cup Series. We've seen it in the Truck Series or something comparable to it, which that's typically a loose pack, a uh, little bit more... Uh, being able to move around, suck up to the truck in front of it. So they're thinking that might be what we see in the cup race. There are some dr- teams and drivers that think handling might be a big issue. There are some teams and drivers that think that it might even be a tandem draft. Okay, so let me just throw this out, right? So, uh, you know, Bristol used to put on one of the greatest races that you could watch all year long. You know, then they then they went and they, they changed the track you know, they come out with the, you know, with the, the different car and different packages and this and that. And uh, the crowds left in droves. If you, you know, if you look at these stands, you look at the, uh, the from Bristol a couple of weeks ago. Now, Talladega remains as one of the best attended races um, of the year. I mean, they they haven't dropped off 
of as much as some of the other tracks. Uh, but people love that old the restrictor plate uh, races. It, it's you know it's nutty, it's wild, it's crazy, but uh, the fans love it and it's fun to watch. So do you think uh, you know this may have a, a, a negative effect overall on Talladega and its future as a as a successful event, or or do you think this is going to improve things? Honestly, I think it might be more status quo as far as the fan base is concerned. Because if it's anything like the truck series, everyone who loves the truck series, that's the pinnacle that everybody points to. They, uh, for years, have said, why can't the cup racing be more like the trucks and be more like it was back in the day? So if it's like the truck series, like they're expecting, it might be a benefit or it might be status quo okay so that we'll just have to see so now richard you want to chime in on talladega it'll uh i don't know how much of a difference it's going to make i think you're going to see pretty much everything you know what you normally see out there um i think your fords are going to be fast if anything to go back for the last few years um you know you've you got the um uh penske's and the roush you know cars up there again uh maybe even the uh um Stuart has, you know, mixing up there. I think those that that manufacturer has certainly got the edge over the other two. Um, so yeah, it should be a good race, but it's, you know, it is what it is out there, isn't it? A lot of times, everybody's waiting for the big one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, to me, we keep making changes in in NASCAR land, and it's. Uh, a, it's getting way too much to keep up with because it feels like they're rewriting the entire book on on things. And while that could be a positive in the coming years, I feel like this is one avenue that didn't maybe necessarily need to be changed just yet because there's other rules and other things that could be touched first uh, before we get to this. And it's it would be nice if we could resolve one area before we move on to the next. I feel like they they just continue to add things to their plate. I hope it works out. Um, I'm optimistic, but again, it just, it wasn't necessarily something that needed to be touched immediately, uh, in comparison to some of the other things that they're having to deal with on the mile and a half and, and even on the short track side, like you had mentioned with, with, uh, Bristol and, and maybe even Richmond and places like that. So we'll see. Now, speaking of changes, uh, yeah. uh there's one driver in the Xfinity Series that I do want to touch on, or at least in the Xfinity Series race this weekend. Uh, it's another dash for cash race, which means no drivers earning cup points are allowed in the field. However, Landon Castle has uh, switched his preferred series from the Xfinity Series from the Cup Series to the Xfinity Series and drive the number four for JD Motorsports in the Xfinity race. Normal driver Ross Chastain will be in the second college racing car this weekend. This rule is meant to keep drivers from essentially doing this and possibly uh, stealing a spot in the dash for cash, among other reasons as well. So it's a interesting move. Once you change your preferred series, you can't change it back. So this might also affect him in the Cup Series because... If I am right with the charter rules, if you don't finish in the top 30 in driver points, the team gets significantly less money from the points fund at the end of the year as well. So does he 
by switching, does he forfeit any cup points he's earned this year? No. He just will no longer earn cup points for the rest of the year. It could be that the Xfinity car is actually faster than his cup ride. In, honestly, uh, well, in the cup series, he drives for Starcom. Yeah. In the Xfinity series, he's driving for Johnny Davis, which that is one of the teams that inherited or bought a lot of the old Chip Ganassi uh, stock uh, after Chip closed down his Xfinity team last year. Yeah, he could well be faster in an Xfinity car than he could be in a cup car. <laughs> that, that, yeah, I mean, I mean, drivers want to be competitive. Drivers want to win. You know what I mean? He may not be worried about that end-of-year points thing for Starcom. Now, the Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner the other thing is uh we also have jeffrey earnhardt back in the xfinity race and in the cup race in the cup series he's running for the brand new extreme concepts racing uh it's a essentially his sponsor it's the ik9 sponsorship uh sponsoring him in both the xfinity race and the cup race and we might also have an earnhardt in the arca race right now there's 26 entries for arca which is significantly lower than the average uh, super speedway race for ARCA. Uh, Bobby Dale Earnhardt, uh, Jeffrey's brother, might be running the ARCA race. Uh, what's he run before? He, he has run a handful of Xfinity races and ARCA races. Okay. All right. So oh. so he, he's right there experience-wise, right? Does he, he come out of uh, like late, late models or, or dirt cars, or I'm just, I'm just not. Uh, he he so. ran the Arca Truck Series in the Midwest. Okay, all right. So uh, good stuff for the Earnhardt family. You had some other news on Earnhardt family. Uh, he, Dale Dale Junior.'s birth mother has yes, passed Dale away. Is that correct? Kelly, uh, their birth mother, uh, Brenda Jackson, passed away from cancer uh, earlier this week. Okay, so very sad news. So, our, you know, our thoughts are with the uh, the Earnhardt family there. I know, mm-hmm. so that's uh, so that's so Dale has essentially lost both his parents in the last uh, couple of decades. So, um, but uh, speaking of uh, a junior, so he's uh, he made quite a splash when he uh, when they added uh, him to the broadcast team for the Indianapolis 500. Even though he's not going to be calling the race uh he'll be you know part of the the color commentary crew but uh i i really like the work he does with nbc um i mean and they've had him at the olympics they had him at the kentucky derby and now people are like losing their shit because he's going to be at the indy 500 i'm like you know the horse racing people didn't didn't lose it when uh when dale was there i think it's fun i think it adds to the thing so uh uh joey your thoughts on that dale jr on the broadcast team with uh, danica there as well yeah i mean I'm a little kind of baffled on the Danica side of things just because of some of the comments she made at the end of last year after yeah. she hung up her helmet. But on the on the Earnhardt side of things, I think it's good for the sport I, for a number of reasons. Mm. You know, if he plays the same role that he did at the Rolex, where, you know, he's kind of sitting on the kind of the what is it, 
timing stand essentially um, for TV pit box. Well, we call it a timing stand in IndyCar okay. land, there, sir. So, um, but, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, no, you know they got him up on that, and essentially he's kind of playing middleman to the fans who are interested in him and following him, and kind of trying to translate that understanding and kind of move it towards, you know essentially towards IndyCar in this case. So, you know, he did that with Rolex and I thought it was good. Um, obviously they saw a jump in their ratings. I don't know if that was dependent on just Dale Jr. I don't know if his power is that, you know, crazy good, but, uh, you know, I think, I think it's good for a variety of reasons. I know the hardcores may not be so sold on it, but I've had to listen to Eddie Cheever, uh, for most of my life on, on the broadcast. I mean, on the broadcast, and it's refreshing that it's going to be different. And at the end of the day, uh, when you're trying to reestablish things, because there's a there's you know billions of people in the world who don't know what IndyCar racing is. They know what Formula One is, but they don't know IndyCar racing. And if there's even just a five percent boost that can be given off of Dale Jr. being there to help, you know, just bring in racing, because at the end of the day. You know, I know that sometimes we can rail on IndyCar, we can rail on NASCAR, we can rail on Formula One and any other racing discipline. At the end of the day, it's nice to know that in racing, at the very least, we have options. You know, we have stuff that if we if we don't want to like if we don't like to see the playoff format NASCAR has, well, then we can go and look at the way IndyCar thing has, has their championship set up. If we don't like that, we can look at Formula One, VA Supercar, so on and so forth. And there's just a plethora for us. And I think any time that you can get a little bit of, of that interest interwoven to each other, it just strengthens the entire industry. And so that's why I'm all for it. Just please yeah, don't do I, what Rusty Wallace did in 2006, calling it the most exciting Daytona 500 ever. I, I don't think you got to worry uh, about that. Yeah, I yeah. don't think we have to worry about that. You know, I, think, I think Dale will remember where he is. You know, uh, Rusty was a little <laughs> Rusty was a little rusty back there. So, but I just, I just think oh. overall NBC NBC is doing a nice job cross promoting. Uh, you know, I've got uh, NBC Sports on all, all the time at work. You know, along with uh, Fox One and ESPN and every sports station in the world is, is on at the bar there, and um, uh, I see a lot of IndyCar commercials uh, on. You know, on NBCSN, they're cross-promoting it with the Kentucky Derby, with uh, with hockey playoffs. You know, I see uh, IndyCar drivers uh, showing up at these hockey games and uh, showing up at other places. I see that the uh, the the daily the NASCAR talk show they have every day at five has at least one IndyCar segment a week. It's which is pretty neat. So I, you know, I hope that maybe expands to maybe they can expand that program instead of being NASCAR America to, you know, just say racing America and they can, you know, kind of kind of showcase both, uh, yeah, both NASCAR and IndyCar and, and anything else that NBC chooses to cover. So now before we move away from this topic, Richard, you say that you've got a point. Yeah, I would be. It'd be interesting to know if Junior has a genuine interest in IndyCar and is wanting to do this off his own back or if this is MVC trying to place him somewhere to get a ratings boost if the guy is genuinely interested in IndyCar racing and genuinely interested in the event which I'm sure there's a certain amount of that I mean racers you know do do, do take interest in other racing series for sure but it does this it, and it and I, I liken it to what um to go off a complete tangent, the MLS does in you know in, in the US with the soccer teams. There, they bring in 
you know, big names who are retiring from Europe to try and boost the ratings. And it, it just never really gets that momentum because as soon as those players retire or move on, it's back to, you know, trying to find the next guy to drag over and try and boost the ratings or get people through the door to watch. So I just think it, yeah, sure. it I, needs I think to be honestly, genuine. It needs yeah, to be honestly, real. Honestly, I think it's it's a little bit of both. I think NBC is as would like to have him there for the rating boost, but I think he genuinely is excited about doing it. And, oh, and he's, and, he's always yeah. wanted to go to the Indy 500. I think he's really looking to, uh, you know, to do the best he can with it. I think he's generally interested. He's invited uh, Will Power to be his guest on his podcast this week. Um, so, you know, he's, he's, he's reaching out, he's learning. Um, I think he's generally interested because I, you know, I love him or hate him. I, Dale Jr. is just, just a good old boy who loves racing. Oh, here's the one thing that I'll, I'll add to this, uh, before we move on. Cause I know you want to give this subject a rest at the end of the day. If it's similar to the role he played at, at, at the Rolex, I'm 100% for it. I don't necessarily think you should be calling play-by-play when you already have the strength of Lee Diffie and Townsend Bell and and PT in the booth. But um, that said, I kind of trust NBC on this only because I've seen how they've built up, uh, obviously, what they've done with with hockey because they've been huge in in the return of hockey becoming at least somewhat relevant. Um, And also what they've done with the Premier League it has been sensational. I mean, y'all guys know that I love soccer quite a bit and uh football. So, yeah, in your case football. Uh yeah, football, but, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> if, if, to see what they've been able to do with that and how they're and how they just continue to build on their own brand, they know how to build a successful brand and if and if this is a way that they're trying to just further establish and cement what they do as an auto, as the leader in auto racing coverage, then you know, I'm all for it. I mean, at least they're trying, and that's not something that we could say about uh, things in the past that no, were just kind of lame ducking the yeah. situation. So I, at least we're at least there's concepts and ideas that's been tried. If they don't work, they don't work. But at least we can see that there's an effort. All right. So what so, builds the brand then? The product or the marketing? Both. 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 Take a marketing class, Richard. <laughs> oh, Seth. Yes. Uh, any more NASCAR uh, topics that you'd like to uh, mention or cover before we go ahead and make our picks for Talladega and then go on and talk about uh, IndyCar testing and uh, Indy 500 entries a little bit? Well, I do have one uh, from ARCA. Uh, Christian Eeks uh, sat out the last race two weeks ago at Salem. Uh, the reason was uh, food poisoning uh, the night before the race. He was actually admitted to the hospital the food poisoning was so severe it caused a tracheal tear and a bacterial infection. Uh, as of right now, he should be back in the Venturini Motorsports car this weekend at Talladega. And his next truck race later on this year with Kyle Busch Motorsports, I believe, is Gateway. And he went from leading the points to, I believe, seventh in the points, 105 points back. Ouch, yeah, took quite a hit there. So, All right, so, Seth, who do you like for Talladega? Again, Talladega is always a wild card to pick to begin with, but now we've got we've got a different, uh, a different race and package there. So what do you think? Well, I still think it'll be a wild card winner, so I'm going to go with Matty Bendetto. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Okay, Richard, who do you like? Let, uh, Ryan Newman. Completely random. 
Actually, didn't we do these picks last week? Last week, because I said Paul Menard last week. Yes, you did say Paul Menard last week, right? So I'm going to go back with Paul Menard. It hasn't changed in the last two weeks. Okay, well, he hasn't won in the last two weeks either, so. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Christopher. Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush. You can't go wrong with that. Joey. If there's a potential for tandem drafting, then I guess I'll go with Brad Kozlowski. All right, that's who I was going to go with since he's been so strong in Talladega, but you've left me no choice other than to say Denny Hamlin. So, um, actually, you, let, you left me a lot of choices, but I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin for Talladega. So, uh, with that being said, let's move on to talk about IndyCar a little bit, okay? So, the, we had a, the uh, all the cars, the, the veterans will be testing at a speedway. By the time you hear this broadcast, the, the test will be over, but uh, the time we're taping the test is tomorrow. Uh, the weather looks good. We've seen the entry list. Uh, there have been some new liveries revealed. We've seen uh, Marco Andretti's livery was revealed um, on live TV on the Today Show. Uh, it is a, a Deglo STP orange uh, that's modeled after his, his uh, grandfather's 1969 winner. Uh, we've seen Connor Daly's livery, uh, which is reminiscent of an old uh, fighter pilot. A-10 Warthog. Uh, sponsor is the U.S. Okay, thank you. Um, but it's got, you know, it's got those little shark teeth there and in the front. It's a very nice looking car. Uh, Will Power is going to have a little bit of a different look to his car. It's a, it's a matte black Verizon 5G sponsored car as uh, Verizon rolls out, out their, their 5G network. Um, Pippa Man had released some, a couple of pictures of hers. We saw hers earlier, uh, but her car is coming together nicely. Uh, there's some pictures on uh, Rappin' Redbeard's uh, page, and she's put out a couple of her own. Uh, um, and th- that car is just absolutely beautiful. So, um, any other ones? Any other than I'm missing with the new liveries? Hildebrand. He has Hildebrand. the who's, Dan, who's Dan Hildebrand. Uh, Salesforce. That's right. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but he's running a Dan yeah, Kearney, number Dan Gurney kind of tribute with the 48, and then uh, and we got McLaren Papaya Orange. So. It's just well, a lot right, of stuff right. that makes and, you wonder uh, what year it is. Yeah. So. Although, and uh, Ed Carpenter is going to be running the um, blue and white preferred freezer livery. So, which they, they've been a, you know, Indy 500 sponsor of uh, Ed's third car for years, which was Jelly Hildebrand. But, uh, you know, with fuzzies out of the picture, it's nice to get uh, that month of May boost for Ed uh, on the preferred, with the preferred freezer money. So, and, and Ed, you know, Ed's not a bad guy to put your, uh, put your sponsor money in for the Indy 500. The guy's, uh, you know, really good run last year to second place. He's won the pole three times, I believe. Uh, so always, always a threat in May. Uh, now, Joe, you went to the rookie test in Texas. So you had, who was out there? Erickson was out there. Um, yeah, we, had, we had Marcus Erickson, Colton, Colton Herta, Colton Herta. And, and Hanley for uh, Dragon Speed. Okay, so how – and you got to talk to all three of those guys, and you wrote a nice article on IndyCar.com that you guys can find. Uh, but talk to me a little bit about the driver's impressions of, of – some, for some of these guys, their first oval ever for, for yeah. Erickson. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you could kind of tell uh, – I mean, in, in Ben Hanley's case, I mean, he just said it was like being in a totally different sport. And, um, you know, you could kind of get a feel for, for where their head was at and, and trying to get used to things. Um, I was sitting there with Johnny Rutherford on, on pit road. Um, and then just, we were kind of looking at the entries going into one and it was just very, very interesting to see. I think that just based on what I saw, um, 
you know, I think Colton Herta obviously is probably going to be pretty solid. I mean, he's got Alan Sir Jr. as a as a driver coach too to give him some feedback. Not a bad person to learn from when it comes to Indy. And um, you know, his entry looked good. Uh, again, this is Texas to to Indy, a totally different 1.5 to 2.5, but it's oval oval track time nonetheless. Uh, I was really impressed, and I continue to be impressed this year with Dragon Speed. I mean, they they don't have a partnership with another team. They're doing everything all on their own. They're only doing five races this year. They've got a driver that's a 33-year-old rookie, 35-year-old rookie, sorry. Um, no, 33. We're the same age. So, yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting to see. And he had never been on an oval. He took a wide entry going into turn one and was able to just be able to, to hit the throttle. And you wouldn't hear much um, much of a burp in the throttle and things like that. And but you look at Erickson, he took a very narrow line into one, kind of threw off his apex. So if I'm worried about any one person going into testing this uh, tomorrow, um, I guess now the day before after this this airs, but I guess for the month of May in general, it'd probably be Erickson trying to learn how to navigate the apex a little bit better. I, I think Colton will be good. Um, I think Ben Hanley will get the hang of it. I'm curious to see if Dragon Speed can get more of these, but. Uh, they're building a data pool, and I think they're going to be good um, at least whenever they get to the back end of this five-race five, five race schedule that they've got going. But uh, they were pretty wide-eyed about it. Um, I know with the test at Texas for Erickson in particular, he had James Hinchcliffe there to shake the car down and, and get things rolling off. And, and you know, he's been he's been picking Hinch's ear um, about things. Hinch has been coaching him up. He also talked to Robbie Wickens about – you know, because Robbie was new to ovals last year and talked to Robbie quite a bit about just what what that experience was like and just trying to give himself every every tool that he has in the toolbox, trying to trying to use utilize all those things to, to just be better. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it was a pretty productive test from that standpoint. It certainly gives him something good to go off of going into uh, Wednesday's test and, and into the month of May. Absolutely. Now I heard something. Now, Christopher, maybe you know a little more on this than I do. You're now you're planning on going to the uh, the test tomorrow. Um, I'll be there. But I had I had heard um, just like earlier today. Uh, you know, they had announced Hildebrand. It, it actually there's going to be Hildebrand at the test, and not Sage Karam. It was supposed to be Sage. So they're going to go ahead and put Hildebrand in the car. And my question is, uh, why aren't they just running both guys? Is it is is there a limited amount of cars allowed to test or does dry and Reinbold just not have a second car put together yet what do you think i think dry and Reinbold's still putting sage's car together honestly um if you're gonna put together a car for the speedway those take a lot of tender love and care to make sure the body fits all right and that the exhaust pipes aren't too high out of the car and you want to try and massage that thing for everything it's worth and they, it's my they, under, it's my understanding that it's going to be uh hildebrand in Sage's car. Now, I saw a picture on the so Giant Rainbow Facebook page. It was a Salesforce livery that was out there. So that means that uh, JR's car is actually there. Okay. All right. I I, I don't know. Okay. So I just because I had seen pictures of Sage's car in the you know the paint shop. So like, it may not be done, but uh, yeah, uh, I don't just, think it's I done just, yet. I mean, but you can't go wrong with JR. I mean, I know not to knock Sage because Sage is a pretty good racer at Indy, but. Yeah, I mean, Jr. went and passed the second most cars out of anybody last year. You know, he yeah, ended up passing. Yeah, you'd, you'd get good feedback out of. Uh, yeah, and you know, so I I think it's good overall for the team. And at the end of the day, 
if you got two cars and if you it's better to to chance one and lose one than than the chance two and lose both and then you're really screwed here in a couple of weeks so i i think it was a smart decision on their part and they're not the i, I don't believe they're so, the only team that's doing that too so yeah and not everyone's not not out there yet so now so if i had to read between the lines of what you just said is you you reduce the chances of wrecking the car if you don't let it I'm driving. Is that, that, that how I understood what you said? That's not quite how I was trying to phrase that. <laughs> I, I, was, I know, I, was, I know. It just, it just, it just struck me as funny though, because you know I'm easily to twist my words. I tell you. Yes, yes, yes. Sage Karen going to come after you now. He, he gonna, he gonna put a thumbs down on your tweet. So, so uh, Christopher, um, so what are you looking? What are you looking to see in the test? I, I'm kind of interested to see. Yeah. The McLaren fares against uh, the other cars. You know, this, this Alonso's effort this year is not quite as turnkey as it was last year when he was just able to hop in an Andretti car. They're, they're doing this whole thing on their own. Their technical partner is Carlin, which, uh, you know, no knock on Carlin, but they've they've not been in the sport quite as long as uh, Andretti. Um, do you feel like this is going to be a, a bit of a more uphill struggle for Alonso? Uh, I don't know. Carlin actually may- – did a good job last year getting both cars into the field, which was a big challenge for them, I think, considering where they were on the timing sheets in the pre-month of May tests last year. Uh, I think McLaren's going to have a tough time getting everything set up because you're looking at how much data they're going to have. With Andretti, you had like three other, four other cars of data to look at. With Carlin, you just have two. Uh, but granted, you do have... <clears throat> two pretty good drivers on the team at Indianapolis. And I emphasize at Indianapolis because Chilton a couple of years ago led the most laps in the 2017 race. And Charlie Kimball has had a couple of top five finishes there, including I think he finished third in 2015. So he knows how to get around uh, the did, place. He does have a third there, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, um, Charlie runs well at the Speedway, yeah. I mean, people like to knock Charlie, but he's, he's uh, always run well at the Speedway. Except for on the last lap of the race, but I digress. Um Sorry, uh, he was, he Sorry, was running out of fuel. That was that was that was Jr's fault, not uh, <laughs> you know, not backing off. So, but uh, but I will say All this: right. I think that so, McLaren. I'm sorry, I'm they, sorry to disrupt your thoughts. So I'm just saying, if McLaren can take advantage of all the time that they have and are looking at this with an open mind, they will have a much better time this year than Lena Gay did last year trying to embrace ovals when she was working with Hinchcliffe at uh, Schmidt Peterson Motorsports. True, true. So speaking of Hinchcliffe, we're, we are going to have a couple bumps uh, this year. I think we have 34 car and driver combinations confirmed and one more car confirmed that, that's yet to have a driver announced and that the, the high speculation is that it's going to be Oriol Servia in the number 77 uh, Smith-Peterson third entry. But but other than that, that's 35 cars. Um, and I think that's probably it. I don't think there's any more surprises. We, we still don't have the uh, Yunkos driver announced. We don't have the Yunkos driver. You're right. You're right. We don't have the Yunkos driver announced. And I think there's one other one that hasn't been announced yet. Um, but, Buddy Lazier. No, no he's, he's, Sorry, not, that's, he's not coming uh, back. You know how um, many times that's no, happened where he pulled sad. up on us last minute <laughs> out but, at Indy. But from what I've heard, there is one yeah, more. Yeah, that one year she didn't show up until the day before qualifying. So I'll go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. No, I'm just saying, there's, to, from my recollection, there is still one car driver combination that hasn't been announced yet, but I'm not going to um, speculate on that any further. 
one side is the Schmidt Peterson, and then the Yukos has not announced the driver, but they have said it's just going to be one car effort, as well as uh, um, Hardy Steinbrenner said we're going to be a, just a one car effort. I can't think of another one that's not announced, so um, it might be. I mean, somebody, somebody will call us out on social media and say, oh, you guys are making a show and don't even know your shit. So, so I kid, I kid. So realistically, I, I mean, who do you – who do you think gets bumped? You know, you, you got you got to look at a guy like Ben Hanley, even though they've done a great job. You know, uh, I, I don't know that you know they, they've been a couple seconds off the pace a lot of these races. You got to look at somebody like, uh, you know, I hate to say it, Pippa last year uh, couldn't get up to speed. I mean, she's been a perennial kind of towards the back uh, qualifier, but it, but it could very well be you know somebody that has a bad time like Hinch could be. Could be Alonzo getting bumped. Can you imagine the reaction uh, worldwide if Alonzo got bumped? Be awesome. That was I mean, that was my bold prediction at the beginning of the year that Alonzo gets bumped from the 500. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I look. There are so many. There is so much that gets poured into this. Like, I don't know. For my own personal opinion on it, I I, I just. I hate to even speculate, to be honest with you, because, I mean, knowing a lot of these people firsthand and seeing the the amount of work that gets put into these, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's heartbreaking. Like, for, for every great story on who made the last row um, at the last row party, there's always there's always the heartbreak. And, you know, last year it was Hinch. Um, and, and now that we have more than 33 cars, um, this is all happened all over again. So, um, you know, we get the joy for one and, and the heartbreak for the other and, and such as racing. But, uh, I mean, it's so hard to speculate, especially when you see the effort that a lot of these teams put into that. I mean, it's just, it, it how, however it ends up, it'll, it'll be unique and, and it'll be essentially the, for at least one week, it'll be the story of the 103rd running of the Indy 500. It sure will. Yeah. Do you ever see a time? Time where they expand the field to you know maybe 36 cars or 39 cars. Yeah, I know people would lose their lose their minds again, you know. But no. uh, I I really don't see any reason why um, the, the track can't accommodate an, another row, you know. Especially if we if we start getting you know 39, 40, 42 entries, uh, you know. I hope not. Yeah, no, I I don't see it only because I mean quite honestly. I just don't think the economics are there to support it uh, from from just, you know, from a sponsorship standpoint, from a team standpoint, from a, the amount of chassis that are built and things like that. I, I just don't necessarily think that those things are feasible. I mean, at least not in the next three or four years. I mean, you've got two OEMs that are stretching themselves thin just to field, you know, 35 entries to qualify, let alone uh, – you know, we're still trying to get that third OEM, which should be coming soon, but it won't be until probably 2021 that we get that. So I don't see a change until we can get maybe four OEMs. There's not even, in my opinion, a reason to, to think about it because I just there's so many things that that should be handled first. And that's definitely not on the priority of the list from just my perspective. All right. So now, Richard, Seth, you got any comments on any of these uh, 8,500 entries or anything about heading into the month of May? I think it's a it's a great month, isn't it? It's, you know, it's it's one of the only real motorsport events. Maybe after outside of the uh, you know Daytona 24 hour race in Le Mans, where you, you need to have this big build up for, for so long. Um, uh, but I think it's uh, you know. 
I think you see uh, the popularity of the race again probably pick up. It'll be interesting to see the viewing figures again from Europe with Alonso being involved. How, you know, I, I don't know if any of you guys know the, the numbers, um, if they dropped off, uh, you know, last year in Europe with him not racing or if they were higher than the previous year before, you know, if, you, if you're with me, if, uh, you know, his interest obviously caused a spike in, in Europe and if that, uh, you know, didn't drop off as badly as it was before the race. So it'd be good to see him back there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how competitive he'll be, if he will be as competitive as he was last time. Uh, you know, McLaren's certainly are going to put the name out there if he's not going to be competitive. But, um, yeah, it's good to have a, you know, it's nice to have a full month of, a, of an event that you can really get your teeth stuck into rather than a couple of days here and there dotted around like you get with a normal race weekend. Yeah, I mean, okay, so you said, you said real quick, I want to back up something you just said, Richard. You said they, they, McLaren wouldn't put him out there if he wasn't competitive. Why do they do that? Uh Okay, this is a little this is a little bit different, I think. In, in Formula One, how should we put it in Formula One? The difference between being competitive in Formula One and not being competitive is far different from the being competitive and not competitive in IndyCar. I'm okay. not saying it's easier to be competitive in IndyCar, but I think the tools that you have available to you. What? Okay, let let me free, rephrase that. What I, I, makes Richard, a team? You don't have to explain. It. I, I would just show you the irony in your statement. So no, I, I very agree. But real quickly, I did want to make a point. Actually, what makes you quick in? Go ahead. What makes you quick in IndyCar? A lot of it, McLaren already have covered, and that's execution, and that's teamwork, and that's how you operate as an organization. You look at the likes of Penske and Ganassi; they operate. At very, very similar levels to Formula One teams when it comes to their professionalism and how they execute a race weekend. Maybe not quite so much for some of the smaller teams. So a lot of these things that are needed to be competitive, McLaren will will already be able to execute. So it's a lot easier for them there, I think. Yeah, uh, here's one thing I'll, I'll say on the McLaren side of things. Uh, so I think be, that this just guys this will be the last thought of the evening because we are up against the clock. So Joey, you've got the last word this week. So Darn. make sure it's a good one. At the end of the day, I think that we look at Alonso and we look at McLaren. I don't think they're going to struggle. I based on what I saw at the test firsthand a couple of weeks ago. I, I look at this program. I see where they're headed. I see the the bonding that they have to put things together. I think they're going to be just fine. Uh, and I think in in some ways, I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody who to root for or who to be a fan of and who not to. And it's okay if you don't want to see Alonzo win, but I think it's important at the end of the day that McLaren are competitive because at the end of the at the end of the day again, since that's what I continue to say, if McLaren are competitive, we will see them in IndyCar racing on a full-time effort sooner rather than later. And if they're in sooner rather than later, that helps the overall growth of, of art, not just IndyCar racing, but I think of motorsport as well. And it brings in new sponsors, new teams, uh, you know, new driver lineups, things like that. And it could build more interest. And we could see maybe McLaren, from my perspective, um, plays with some of their developmental drivers that they groom for Formula One. Maybe they play with them here in IndyCar. And, uh, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So at the end of the day, I'm going to be a rooting for McLaren just from a perspective that I want them in the sport on a full-time basis sooner rather than later. I agree with you there. So, But we are out of time, guys, so I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank all you folks that tune in and listen. I want to thank iHeartRadio. I want to thank you, Joey, Richard, Christopher, and Seth. Uh, guys, it's been nice talking to you. Uh, and folks, thanks for tuning in and listening, and we'll talk to you all in a week. Good night.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.